We're in a series called Seasons. Seasons. And we've been talking about the importance of looking at life as seasons instead of just days. Here's what happens. If you look at life as just a collection of days, one day just bleeds into another day and you end up dreading every Monday and looking forward to every Friday and then the days in between could go either way, right? And so it's just one day bleeds into another day and all of a sudden weeks turn into months and months turn into years and before you know it, decades go by and and you still don't feel like you've got any traction. But if you look at your life as seasons, right? Seasons have a beginning and seasons have an end. So it's important, I believe, to look at your life like that, not just as, as days. How many of you ever had one of those days where it's like by 11 o'clock in the morning, you're ready to go back to bed? And I'll give this another try tomorrow. Anybody ever had that kind of day? You, you just feel like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll try to adult tomorrow. Today just doesn't seem to work out, right? So, so, but if you look at your life as seasons, you can approach it with purpose, you can approach it with, with just kind of a sense of, okay, I, I know that, that this is a season of my life. And, and there are natural seasons. In fact, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, in everything there's a season. Everything there is a season. So whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, for everything, in everything, there is a season. You are in a season right now. There are natural seasons. In fact, that particular chapter goes on to list 28 natural seasons that we go through. But then there are also spiritual seasons. The seasons that, that are spiritual, that, that coincide with some of the natural seasons that we face. And I was talking with my family this week and they said, Dad, how come you, you don't talk about the good seasons? You're only talking about the difficult ones. I'm like, well, I don't think people really have trouble navigating the good seasons, right? Uh, when you get an answer to every prayer, when it seems like miracle after miracle is coming your way, most people don't have trouble navigating those. What we've been talking about is how to navigate the difficult ones, the ones that sometimes can send us into a cycle where it's not just a season, it becomes the new normal. And so those are the ones we have to learn how to navigate because I've seen people get stuck in a season that was supposed to be temporary and instead it just seems like this is now the rest of their life. I've seen people go into a difficult season and never be able to find their way out. And so we've been talking about several difficult seasons. The first week, we talked about seasons of change and and major transition, shifting seasons, we called it. And then last week, we talked about what perhaps is the most difficult season we could ever go through, and that's a dark season. It's a season of loss. It's a season of pain, a season of hurt. Right, And we talked about how to navigate your way. And if you weren't here, you can always go to our podcast. You can find us on our podcast and you can listen to some of these past sermons because you need to know how to navigate your way out of a dark season. The Bible says this, that when Moses died, the children of Israel mourned for him for three days. Watch this. They stopped everything. They stopped everything. And they mourned for him for three days. They said, we will not move forward. This will be a time, a a season where we will mourn, right? And, And see, here's what I believe. I don't believe there's such thing as closure. 
If you've ever been through trauma, if you've ever been through loss, you never forget that, right? You don't just pack everything up back in a box, put it on a shelf and go, okay, now I'm over it. No, if you've been through real tragedy or real hurt, real pain, you carry that with you the rest of your life. But what I think is, I think it's kind of like a scar. See, I don't believe in closure, but I do believe in healing. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so what happens is, is, is like a scar, it's still visible, right? But, but it doesn't hurt like it used to hurt. It still has tears attached to it. There's still a memory attached to it. There'll still be days where, where there will be moments where, where tears will flow down your face, but you can move forward. And so we talked about dark seasons last week. And this week, I want to talk to you about waiting seasons, seasons where you are waiting, seasons where you're waiting. Waiting seasons are like this. They're learning to be patient while you're waiting for the new season to begin or for a new promise to come forward or for a door to open. It's where you're waiting on God. You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. So I want to talk to you today a little bit about patience. And some of you are going, no, come on now, not patience, anything but patience. We're living in a world where things are moving so rapidly that we're running out of patience very easily. Rick Sykes said this. He said, patience is not the ability to wait, but how you act while you are waiting. It's not just your ability to wait. Anybody could wait. How many of you have been to the DMV? Come on now. Anybody can wait, but it's how you act while you're waiting. And every parent said, Amen. Come on now. It's patience. It's how you act, how you behave. So there's a way to behave. We've been talking about discernment. And I want to talk to you about some do's and some don'ts that you need to have in your life while you are waiting for the answer, while you're waiting for the promise, while you're waiting for the door, while you're waiting for the provision. There are some things you can do and things you should not do. So let's talk about what we do while we are waiting for God to answer our prayer and bring us into a new season. Number one is keep working while you're waiting. Keep working. In other words, don't give up. In other words, keep doing what you know to do is right. Don't quit. Don't back down. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. You have to keep working. I have some friends that are missionaries in Africa, and, and the country that they were in years ago went into an absolute chaotic state literally overnight. Genocide began to take place, and lives began to be lost, and so people were asking them, well, what are you going to do? And they said, we're going to do the last thing God told us to do. He told us to come to Africa, and if he tells us anything different, we'll do that, but we're going to keep working. Amen? We're going to keep doing what God says to do. So you cannot quit. You cannot give up. You have to develop perseverance. The devil wants you to quit. And let me tell you, I have been there many times wanting to quit, saying, you know what, this isn't worth it. I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. All of us have sometimes have wanted to quit on life, wanted to quit on a marriage, wanted to quit on a job, wanted to quit on a career. You've wanted to move on. But you have to know that while you're waiting for God to open up that new door, you cannot quit. You can't back down. 
You have to keep doing what is right. I, I was talking to a couple a while back, a long time ago, and they were, they were transitioning in life. Things were changing. And so they said, you know what? We're just going to go to another church while the transition is taking place. And I said, well, why? They said, well, we just feel like God has something new for us. And I said, well, tell me, what, what do you think that is? They said, we have no idea. But we just thought it might be a good idea to switch churches. And I said, really? God didn't say it? God's not opening up a door? You don't even, they didn't even know where they were going to go. And I said, no, I think you should stay put and do the last thing God told you to do. And if he tells you to leave, then you obey God. But don't do anything until God says to do something. You keep working. Amen? You keep being faithful. Here's what happens while we're working. When we are working, we get free from distractions. We stay focused. Huh? Even when we're not seeing any production, even when we're not seeing the promise come to pass, even with our natural eyes, nothing seems to be changing, right? Several years ago, a movie came out, maybe you saw it, with Kirk Cameron called Fireproof. And if you are looking for a movie with great acting, this is not, <laughs> not that movie. And if you're looking for a movie with a great script... Quality writing, this is not that movie either. No, this isn't that movie. But what happens in the movie is there's this guy, he's a firefighter, and and he's in a terrible marriage, and his life just seems to be spiraling out of control, and he has addictions and problems, and he's really struggling, and he's trying to turn his life around. And so he begins to make some changes in his life, thinking that his wife was just going to immediately respond. (laughs) That's Hollywood for you. So, so he begins to make these changes, but she's not changing. He begins to, to wash the dishes and clean the house and, and bring her flowers. And she'd take the flowers and just throw them away. She just wasn't responding. And he just wanted to quit. And he's talking to his dad. And his dad is saying, don't quit. Don't stop. Keep doing it. You keep pressing through. You keep working. You just keep doing it and you'll see the fruit one day. And while you're in this season of waiting, you have to keep working. Amen. The Bible says we have to be diligent. And so while you're waiting for the promise to come to pass, because listen, there's always a promise and there's a provision of the promotion, but in the middle part is called a process. Don't give up on the process. Amen? There is no quitting place. There is no stopping place. We have to keep working. We have to. Here's what happens. When you keep working, you keep preparing for the next season. Right? Because potential is potential. Watch this. Potential is only realized when preparation is lived out. You could have all the potential in the world. Right? You can have all the potential in the world, but if you don't prepare, you're never going to reach that potential. Listen, I've been in many services where someone will give a prophetic word, maybe to an individual or to a family or even to a church. And I've seen people clap, woo, praise the Lord. And I've clapped myself. But how many of you know God doesn't give us prophetic words so that we could celebrate? He gives us prophetic words so that we could prepare. And there's nothing wrong with celebrating and there's nothing wrong with clapping and there's nothing wrong with rejoicing over a word from God. But that's not the end of it. 
That's just the beginning. Now you have to do the work involved. Come on now. Listen, you can't just receive a prophetic word that, that I'm going to do such and such or I'm going to do this, but, but then not prepare for that word. You have to work. Amen. You have to reach out. You have to, you have to put your hand to the plow. You have to prepare. Amen. You have to prepare. God doesn't move you into a new season just based on your longevity in this current season. That's called the American education system, right? That's what we do in education. We move people along at some point we do because we don't have 16-year-olds in third grade. Huh? When they start to grow a beard, we got to get them out of there. We got to move on, right? When we get the wedding invitation, it's time for you to move to another grade. So we don't have that. But yet I've seen 16-year-olds who can't read as good as third graders. Right? Because we just had, at some point we had to move them on. At some point we had to graduate them. God doesn't work like that. He'll have you sit in third grade until you figure out third grade. Come on now. He will have you wait through a season until you realize, okay, God's doing something in my life. There's a purpose. There's a process. I can't give up on it. I have to keep working through this process. Hallelujah. You have to prepare for a new season. You have to be ready for it. You have to keep working. And the second thing is this. You have to learn, I believe, what's called three keys to promotion. Three keys to promotion. Right? Between the promise that you're given, right? The prayer that you've prayed. You're believing God for something. You're waiting for the answer. You're in this waiting season. There is a process. And I believe there's some keys that you can learn. And let me tell you, my pastor years ago actually sat me down in his office. I was just a young guy, like 20 years old, and and I wanted to be in ministry. I wanted God to use me. And he said, Brian, I believe there's three keys to promotion. And he took me to Luke chapter 16. I want to read it to you from the New Living Translation. If you're there, you can follow along with whatever translation you have. But it says this, if you are faithful in little things, that's the first one. If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? He said, Brian, I believe there's three keys to promotion. And the first one is this. You have to be faithful in the little things. Huh? You can't be too big to take out the garbage. You can't be too big to clean the toilet. Come on now. When I first went in the ministry, I had my pastor up in North Florida. He, he, said, he said, Brian, I'm gonna, let's go, let's go, let me show you what ministry is all about. And he grabbed a plunger. Huh? Because they had a preschool and some kid tried to flush a toy down in the toilet. Have you ever had that happen? Praise the Lord, right? And he said, let me show you what ministry is about. And he took this plunger and he said, let's, take, let's go for a walk. So you can't, you can't despise the little things. You can't despise small beginnings. And then he said the second key is you got to be faithful with finances. I mean, if you think God's going to use you to change the world, but you don't have the faith to tithe, come on now, huh? I mean, if you can't trust God to provide for you through tithes and offerings, then how are you going to trust God? God's going to send you anywhere to do anything, right? 
you've got to have faith when it comes to finances as well. And then he said, the third thing is this, you've got to be faithful in that which is another man's. And I remember I was, when my first job ever was mowing lawns, that was my first job ever. I graduated on a Friday. I went to work on Monday, mowing lawns, 10 hour days in the summer, hot. And I did that for three years. And then I transitioned. I thought it was a major upgrade to cleaning pools. I mean, it was a major shift for me, right? And I cleaned the same 17 pools every day. And I did that for the next three years of my life. And the same 17 pools every day. In fact, one of the pools was at this, in Delray Beach, it was at this, this kind of, you know, place where there's all these different neighborhoods and, and community pools. And there was one pool for three years. I never saw one person at that pool, yet I cleaned it every day. Some people just got money. They just got money. They just want to throw away. All right. So, and so I did that. And I remember I was working by myself then and I would drive around and I, I was wanting God to do things in my life. And I was listening to, to preaching messages and I was praying and I was coming to morning prayer. And sometimes I'd even slip over into, into afternoon prayer. And, and that pastor had taught me, these are the three keys. And so I had a youth pastor and I said, okay, I'll do, I'll do whatever you need me to do. And so he, he would have me set up chairs and, and then he would have me uh, take the offering. He said, why don't you take the offering, right? And then he said, I want you to pray over the transition. And then eventually he said, I want you to preach. And, and it was just little things by little things. And then I, I went into full-time ministry at 23 years old and and I went up and moved to North Florida, and it was the same thing, man. I was working there for a year, no income whatsoever. They just gave me a house to live in and food to eat and a tank of gas a week. No paycheck, no money whatsoever. I had one lady sending me $20 a month, and that was the only spending money I had for a year. And so, but I was working six days a week at the church, five days in the office, and then on Saturday I would come in and mow the lawn. And so I just, but you got to be faithful in the little things. You got to be faithful in the little things. Somebody said to me one time when we were pastoring, when the church was in Wellington, they said, how did you get that sweet gig in Wellington? I said, you want to know how I got the sweet gig in Wellington? I'll tell you how it wasn't overnight. And so you got to be faithful. You got to be faithful in all these little things and understand that there's keys to promotion. And if you are sitting here just waiting on God, I've got news for you. God is waiting on you. I said he's waiting on you. He's just watching you. He's watching if you're going to be faithful. He's watching if if you're going to be faithful in in the little things, the little things. Working, amen? You just got to be faithful. And then the third thing is this. Waiting always involves shaping. Shaping, shaping. Luke chapter number three I want to read this to you from the New Living Translation as well. If you're there, you could follow along. Luke chapter number three, it says this, speaking of John the Baptist, there's a prophetic word that was in Isaiah that said in verse four, Luke chapter three, it says, Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Or you could say this, prepare for a new season. Watch this, prepare for a new season. And then it said this, clear the road for him. The valleys or the low places will be filled. The mountains and the hills, the high places that are impassable, they'll be made level. Curves will be straightened and the rough places made smooth 
And then all people will see the salvation sent from God. Here's what John is saying. He's fulfilling this prophetic word. He's he's saying this. As we enter into this new season, here's what God's going to do. He's taking the low places and he's bringing them up. And he's taking the high places and he's bringing them down. He's making them level. He's taking crooked places and he's making them straight. And he's taking rough edges and he's smoothing them out. As we get ready for a new season. And I want you to think that the season you're in, if you're waiting, if you're waiting, if you're waiting, I don't want you to think that it's a season that's in vain. God is actually working. He's working. Here's what he's doing. He's taken your life and he's taken things that are impassable and he's bringing them down. He's taken valleys, right, that are too low that you can't get around and he's bringing them up. And he's taken crooked places in our life and he's straightened them out. Right? And he's taking the rough edges. Come on, anybody got any rough edges? I got a few rough edges. And he's taking the rough edges and he's smoothing them out as we prepare for a new season. It's a season of waiting. It's a season of waiting. While you're waiting, God is working. He's working. See, the devil tell you nothing's happening. But I'm here to tell you, God's got you on the potter's wheel and he is just molding you and he is shaping you and he is preparing you for this next season. And if you abort the process, right? Because it's just a process. If you look at a couple people in the Bible, you can learn from some of the patriarchs in the Old Testament. There was one by the name of Joseph. And if you know Joseph's story, Joseph went through several seasons, right? He had a promise from God, but Joseph was not perfect. Joseph had some rough edges. He probably had some high places, and he had some low valleys, and he had some crooked things in his life. And so God said, Joseph, I've got something big for you. It is, it is huge. It's a season that I want you to enter into, but you're going to have to go through a process. Here's the promise, and here's the answer, but in the middle is a process. And he entered into a season and then another season. And he was just waiting for God to open up the promise for him. He was waiting. He was waiting. And then there was another guy by the name of David. David was just a shepherd boy. And there was a prophet by the name of Samuel. And the prophet says to David's father, call all your sons together because I'm going to anoint one of them king over Israel. And guess who didn't get the Facebook invite? David. Everybody got it, right? Everybody got it except him. And somebody had to watch the sheep, did they? They didn't have any servants? I'm sure they did. He just wasn't invited. And Samuel looks at all these guys and says, it's not that one, it's not that one, it's not that one. And he says to Jesse, do you have any more sons? He said, well, I got one kid, but he's watching sheep. He said, bring him here. He sees David, and God says to Samuel, that's the one. And he pours oil over David's head in front of all of his brothers and in front of his father, and he says, this is the new king of Israel. Now, that would ruin most people. Did you hear me now? I said, that would ruin most people. You wouldn't get them to do anything after that. 
Come on now. I mean, you know, they wouldn't clean the room. No, they're not, they're not going to mow the lawn after that. No, that's it. They're, they're king. They're anointed king. But what did David do immediately after he was anointed king? He went back to watching the sheep. Why? Because he wasn't finished with the process. There was still a process. And so he went back and he said, okay, David, I've got something huge for you. It's massive. And David knew what it was. Hey, you're going to be king over Israel. But before you're king over Israel, you're going to face a giant. And before you face a giant, I've got something waiting for you while you're watching the sheep. It's called a bear. Huh? I wouldn't make it through that process at all. I can't even handle a raccoon or a possum or or really even a mouse or cockroach. I really, I I don't do, I don't fight animals. I just can't. I just can't. All right. So, so beyond the bear is what next? The lion. Then, then there's the lion. Why? Because then there's a giant. And after the giant, there's a king who's going to be jealous of you. He's going to try to kill you. But one day, David, you're going to sit on the throne. And one day there's going to be a crown on your head. And through all of that, there's got to be the process. Just don't quit. Don't back down don't give up. And there was another patriarch. His name was Abraham. And Abraham had a promise as well. And the promise was you're going to have a son in your old age. And you're going to have generations that follow after him. And a year goes by. and Another year goes by. And time just begins to tick away. And you know, when time is ticking away, and when you don't seem to see anything happening, and you just feel like, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing this for, I don't see any change, why am I doing this, why do I even go to church, why am I even reading my Bible, I'm not getting any answers, my marriage isn't changing, my kids aren't changing, my finances aren't changing, I'm still sick, I still got to take medication, and you just keep seeing things, all of a sudden it can be very easy to just give up. And one day, Abraham's wife said to him, you know what? I quit. I just quit. I can't wait another minute. I've got a maid. Her name is Hagar. And why don't you just go on into her and maybe she can conceive a son for you. And Abraham did. He got impatient. He didn't wait out the process. And there was a child born whose name was Ishmael. Now watch this. Almost 4,000 years later, In the Middle East, they're still fighting over that particular decision. And countless number of lives have been lost. Countless lives. Don't quit the process. You can't give up. Listen to me. You cannot give up. If you are waiting for an answer, you keep waiting. You say, well, pastor, what if it's another year? Then it's another year. You have to trust that God can do in a moment what you could do if it ever do in a lifetime. Amen? Amen. I want to end with this story. Can I end with one story? I met a pastor. His name was Danny Applewhite. I got stuck with Rosenbarger. He got Applewhite. I don't know what happened. All right, so he, he gets this name Applewhite, and I've met him, and he told one, one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. He was going through an issue in his life that he just could not seem to get an answer. Just couldn't get an answer for it. And it was nothing immoral. He wasn't in sin. It was just he could not get 
a breakthrough. And he was pastoring this church, and, and finally the church just said, you guys go off, you and your wife go off, and you just start praying. And, and he, he was living in Central Florida, pastoring in Central Florida. And he just starts driving. And they would go to a hotel room, and, and uh, they would just pray, and, and he would just say to his wife, I just, I, I want to quit. I just want to give up. I'm tired of doing this. And then they drive some more and they, they went to North Carolina and then they ended up in Virginia and then they went to Pennsylvania. Finally, they ended up in New York City. New York City. They pull into a mall. They decide to walk around the mall and they don't know a soul. And they have told nobody nothing. And they walk into the mall and as he shuts the car door, He says to his wife, when I get back home, I'm quitting. We're done. And he walks into the mall, and as soon as he steps foot in front of the mall, back then there were pay phones. Y'all remember pay phones? There was a guy on a pay phone, and he looks at Danny Applewhite when he walks into this mall, and he points at him and says, hey, you! Danny Applewhite just kind of looks, and it's like the sea parted. And people just spread out. And he thought, this is one of those New York things where you get shot. You know what I'm saying? This is New York City. And he's looking around, wondering if the guy's talking to him. And the guy looks right at him and says, hey, you. And he says, I've got a word from God for you. God says, don't quit. Don't throw in the towel and woe be unto you if you preach not the gospel. And then he went back to talking on the phone. (laughs) Right? Pastor Danny said he looked at his wife and said, hey, I was just kidding anyway. I really wasn't. (laughs) I really wasn't serious. I wasn't going to quit, you know. And that day, nothing in the natural changed except something changed on the inside of him. If you are waiting, listen to me, don't quit. Don't back down. Don't stop doing what you know is right to do. Don't stop being faithful, right? In fact, maybe just increase that faithfulness. You keep doing it. You keep working and you will get through the process. And one day the door will open and you'll walk into the promise that God has for your life. Amen. God will see to it that you will come into that promise.